Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. As usual, let's just relax. Anything else that's going on, just let it fall by the wayside and just be reminded that you are in God and God is in you. You and God's spirit, your spirit and God's spirit are one. The problem is our soul. Our soul still is doing its own thing. And in the spirit, you know, spirit begets spirit. We are born of spirit. And so our relation, spiritual relationship with God is done. It's finished. We're one with him. So our issues with our soul, it's not to restore our relationship with God. You're, you're set with him. He's never going to turn you away. He's never going to, to hold you accountable for what's happened in the past or even in the present or in the future. He is instead arranging every circumstance in your life to produce the purpose that he has set out for you. And that purpose is that you would become one, spirit, soul, and body. And the thing that's preventing that is the part of your soul that has set up its own kingdom. Your soul has become a protector of itself. And we can say that there's a difference between our soul and our self. We are, our self is that self-protective part of our soul. So the soul is what God created and gave you and gifted you. He gave you, your spirit being, a soul to use for, for this time here on this earth, maybe before, maybe after. Don't know, don't know how long we have this soul, but you're thinking right now in reacting and planning and questioning and living out of your soul. Now, your soul, without your spirit, had to find a way to survive. And so it created armor and techniques and beliefs in order to protect itself and get God-given needs met. And we're, we can call that our self. So we have a self-image, and we are self-ish, uh, and we, have, uh, we are self-centered. That's not the soul. Those are things about our soul. And it is those who were formed, our self-image, for instance, was formed, our self-beliefs, things that we believe, not necessarily based on God revealing them to us, but because they suit our soul. We've talked before about how very much of what we believe, the doctrines and even the kinds of churches we go to and that kind of thing, we believe them, we gravitate in that direction because it suits our temperament. It suits our strengths and weaknesses and our wounds and, and how we 
approach life. Now, of course, our soul, again, is a gift from God. He likes our soul. He, he loves your soul. He, it's a special gift he gave us, and he wants us to like and love our soul. But our soul was put on this earth when, in, you know, at some point in time in your body, not sure how that works, but God gave you a soul that could never meet its own needs because its needs, its God-given needs, were for love and recognition, acceptance as an individual, and value, and all those unconditional love. Those were all things that are meant to be received from God himself. But they're met through spirit. And ideally, this is why we keep going back to Adam and Eve. They were communing with God spirit to spirit, before they were separated from him by the depths of their spirit. But they had all their soulical needs met, and therefore all their physical needs met by their own spirit being one with God. So they communed with God spirit to spirit. They communed one to another, spirit to spirit. They knew the truth about who they were. They didn't see themselves as a soulical being or even a physical being. They saw themselves and each other as spirit beings. It wasn't until after their spirit died in them that they saw each other naked. They saw each other's body for the first time. And they started to see each other and be totally different because their needs were no longer met. When they were living, hanging out with God, all their spiritual needs were met through their spirit in God's presence. Then that died. Then they were separated from their spirit. And they were left with a soul. And their soul... Adam's soul, its desire was only to get its needs met. And Eve's soul, her only, her, the, the desire of her soul was to get her needs met. Again, they, you know, one moment they are perfectly perfect. They're completely satisfied. They're one being, spirit, soul, and body, each one. And yet then the next, they've lost all their unconditional love, all their unconditional approval, all their unconditional acceptance. And everything became conditional. And so their soul, and likewise for us, your soul, its main strength that God gave it is to control. It's not a bad thing unless it's not under the control of spirit, which, of course, because our soul has been so wounded and believes lies and is under the control of ourself, our soul is not able to identify truth or 
how to get its needs met through God. We, we will continue a bad habit. Your soul will continue a bad habit as long as it works. So God arranges circumstances to reveal where areas of his choosing for our soul to fail, where our bad habits will fail. And this is part of our, our problem in, in Western religion, in, in Western society, is we've got this, so much of the doctrine that's been passed around is about just getting to, just getting out of here. That if we can just hang in there, and sometimes there's qualifications, you know, that it's our job to bring other people into the kingdom or bring honor to God or minister to others or change the world or evangelize or feed the poor, all the above. And then we will get a reward or there will be some kind of consequence when we get to heaven. And because we believe that that's the correlation, that our behavior doing good for God or doing certain things for God will give us certain results later that we don't focus on what is God's true purpose for us on an individual basis. And so, you know, we have this, we also have this expectation that if we're in the center of God's will, everything will be fine. And we've talked before about, okay, you know, what does that mean? How can you, since God is, if either God is sovereign or he isn't. And if God is sovereign, how can you not be in the center of his will? We have this idea that when bad things happen to us or when we behave badly, there's a secondary cause to it. It's somebody else's fault or we need to rectify it rather than understanding that it's merely a circumstance that God is using to reveal an area where our habits are failing because he wants to bring healing and restoration. He wants to restore our soul to its intended, created purpose to our spirit so that our soul, not ourself, our soul, can be fully healed, fully fed, fully accepted and loved and valued as, as the soul that God gave us, as the soul that God created. And as that occurs, we get your soul, my soul, gets more and more one with our spirit. And as our soul gets more and more one with our spirit, it's more and more one with God. Now, I'm still working on how the, how the body fits in. I think it probably has a lot of the same, you know, I'm kind of changing my mind. He used to say that it just follows along. I think there's a lot more uh, going on between the soul and the body than I had originally thought. So as I've, as I 
dwell on that more, I'll probably incorporate that more. But for right now, it, it doesn't really affect our what we've been talking about as far as our soul being reunited and restored. God restores our soul. He restoreth our soul. To what? To unity with our spirit. And and in the process, we do lose our self, our image of our self, the strength of our self that's, that's outside of, of dependence on God. We lose our weaknesses, our own desires, our own intent. We talk about, you know, having the, you know, desires of our heart. God gives us the desires of our heart. Well, we think, okay, whatever we desire, God's going to give us. No, he puts the desires in our heart. But if your heart, your soul, is wounded and believes lies and has genetic, you know, we do inherit, you know, family issues, and if those haven't been healed and the truth told yet, then the desires that we have that are apart from God aren't going to be good for us. And we talk so often, we, we're taught so often about, you know, how we need to be apart, set apart from everybody else by not sinning. And yet when you look at what, what God's idea of sinning is, it's really very behavior-based. And it's not to say that, you know, behaviors aren't, you know, some behaviors aren't abhorrent, but the whole point being that they hurt us. Because, you know, even if it's just simply because those behaviors that are born from our heart, that are born from our soul, they separate us from our spirit from God. So God is in there trying to restore our soul, which he's the only one who can do it. We can't do it ourselves. We can't restore our soul. That's God's job, and he's doing it quite well. Thank you very much. He doesn't need our help restoring our soul. There's other things we can do, but it's not our job to help him restore our soul. He's got a plan and a strategy and a, and a roadmap. But what we have a tendency to, to do is as he is tearing down the walls, we're trying to build them up. Now, he knows that. There's no surprise. He never goes, oh, I never saw that coming. But we can go, okay, what is sin? Sin hurts us. Yes, it can also hurt other people, but it hurts us. It's not, it's not that God finds them offensive. He's, he's not petty. I want you to think of every evil that you've ever thought of, the worst possible things, and then just remember, where did that come from? And this brings us back to some of the beliefs we have. We have this idea that, that evil comes from outside God. When God says, I have created evil for the day of evil, he's created it for a purpose. And, you know, when you think about the potter's wheel, the right hand and the left hand of God, it takes both. 
takes the good and the bad in our lives. It takes good and the evil in the processing, in the restoration of our soul. So even as terrible as things happen, it's not that God started things, you know, like wound up a clock and then left the room. No, he's intimately involved in both the good and the evil. Which, if it challenges your beliefs, great. Go to God. Go to God and ask him. And sometimes he'll, he may give you an answer real quickly. It may take years. And if you, you know, need to talk to other people, talk to other people, whatever, but resolve it for yourself. Is God sovereign or not? Now, we have a tendency to think that, you know, that God is out there in a battle with Satan, with the devil. And yet God has no equal. He has no opposite. God is not good and the devil evil. No. God created the devil. God created the angels. God created the heaven and the earth. The thing that's created is not equal to the creator. All things are in God. They're all controlled by him. And we're right on track. We're right on on the right time. If God wanted to restore this world to whatever level we think he should, he could do it with a thought. Jesus could have done that while he was walking around here on this earth. People think, oh, you know, Jesus was at the mercy of the Romans when he was crucified. No. All he had, the great effort that Jesus experienced was in not resisting. That's where that blood, sweat, and tears were coming from. Not only the pain of the scourging and what he went through, but he could have stopped it at any moment, and he didn't. He could have thought, and this earth could have disappeared. This universe could have disappeared because he was God. But it's true. the same thing is true now. If God didn't like or have a purpose for all the craziness that's going on in this world, in your life, in my life, it wouldn't be going on. So we start looking, okay, how does that affect my beliefs? How does that affect my decisions? If you knew for certain sure that God unconditionally loved you, how would that change your life? If he unconditionally loved you, and if he's all-powerful and omnipotent and all-knowing, then everything in your life is a reflection of his love for you. What about all the bad things? Because, you know, we, we, we rarely complain about the good things. But all our, so much of our attention is on the bad things. What about all the bad things that happen to us and those people we love? Or what if things that happen in our lives that were caused by somebody else, somebody else doing something evil? 
God could have stopped it, absolutely. He could have, but he didn't. Why? Because he's God. And his final goal, his purpose for you, is that you would become one, spirit, soul, and body. Because if your spirit's already one with him, and your soul reconnects, is restored to oneness with your spirit, and your body's connected, reconnected to your soul, which is then in your spirit, you are one in him. And when I become one in him, and you become one in him, and everybody else becomes one in him, we are one. We are all in him. I have no idea what that looks like. None of us do. The closest thing we have to see what that would be like is Jesus. And yet we have such a small, narrow snapshot of what his life was like. And when you think about what he did, you know, he could do all these miracles. And he had all this power and authority over all things. He had power over the devil, the angels, the earth itself. Again, he could have toppled the Roman government. He could have toppled the uh, the Pharisees and, and you know, restored right relationship to the Jewish people, to God. He could have done anything he wanted, and he didn't. Because there's a plan. He was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world because his father had a plan that involved the lowering of mankind through Adam and Eve so we could be restored. There's something, we've talked a lot about this before, there's something valuable to God and therefore to us that happens through the process. And at the very least, it's gratitude, appreciation. Adam and Eve did not appreciate God. They, they, they never had to say thanks. They couldn't say thanks because they had always had all their needs met. They, didn't, they had never experienced lack. They had never experienced any shadow, any challenge, any question. And this is one of the ways... For, for encouragement that we know that our relationship with God is strengthening is we become more appreciative. We become more grateful, even for the hard things, or especially for the hard things. We've talked before about how there, and I always repeat things because I, I, I understand how different this is than, than a lot of what people are, are talking about, a lot of what a lot of people have been taught, what, what I've been taught, but also because we have new people coming in all the time. But there are three areas in our lives that God uses to get our attention. Because that's really one of our big problems, is we save God for the problems. We save our relationship with him. You know, sort of like, it, you know, sort of like an ATM, that we we don't think about him until we need something. Whether it's a crisis we need him or we want him to intervene in somebody else's life or in the world situation, and then we come up with things that we want him to do and we tell him what to do and we call that prayer. 
God, you need, need to do this over here. Or now you need to heal me. Or you need to get me a new job. And instead we kind of flip that over and go, okay, what is it you're trying to teach me? And there's three main areas. And that's the, uh, our, our health, our physical health, our financial finances, and our relationships. And again, we're just trying to recognize where God is getting, trying to get our attention that maybe we are resisting him. So if there's one of those areas that we keep on running into issues with, odds are he's trying to get your attention, you're, that you're, you're hiding something. And very often it's not in that area. Like you may keep, for instance, okay, every time you get a job, the company goes under, under you know, goes under. And you go, why does this keep happening to me? It's because God's trying to get your attention. Not because it's about where you work. Not because it's about your finances. Not because you did anything wrong. It's just you're resisting turning to him. You're resisting relationship with him. Maybe you even know, okay, I, I told God I was going to deal with this after I got my job situation all settled. When he's said, no, I want you to deal with it first. I want you to have that, get that healing first. I want you to get this relationship dealt with first. I want to get that wound healed first. Then everything else will fall into place. But this is so much about how we see our life, the purpose of our life here on this earth. It's not to make God happy. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need any more honor or glory. He's not sitting somewhere in a cloud or on a throne saying, oh, I haven't gotten enough honor today. Now, do we honor him? Absolutely, because that's our nature. We're a spirit being. We've been born of God, and we're in him, and we, we, we recognize who he is, and we honor him, and we glorify him, and we worship him, because that's who we are. And then when we look at his nature, which is now our new nature, our spiritual nature, his nature is love. That's what it is. But it expresses itself by giving, by it being expressed. So that's another way we can look at ourselves and see, okay, God is healing. He is moving. He is doing his sorting work. He is doing what he needs to be doing in my life because I'm a more giving person. And I'm not just saying, you know, finances. That's just such a narrow part of our lives. But being generous with who we are. This is part of the challenge we have with some of the, you know, the way this, the church structure is, is that we have this idea of, okay, giving is to the church. Really, it's about being generous. God, give, God gave his son to restore everyone. And it cost God everything. It cost him his son. He was willing to sacrifice his son for us. That was how much he was willing to give. That's how valuable we are. But we're not, part of the, part of the purpose 
uh, of this process is that if God was to just all of a sudden heal your soul and restore your soul to your spirit, I don't think we'd be able to contain the love that God has for us. You know, I go back to Adam and Eve. They had three sons, and one son killed another, first generation. That's how separate they were from the nature of God. That's how quickly the soul, without being connected to the spirit, that's how quickly the soul degenerates into being selfish and self-centered and having a, a, a warped self image seeking only its self-interest so the more we become our soul is restored to union uh, unity and union with our spirit we will find ourselves being generous with everything and we are and most of the time we won't notice it because it's our nature not about oh okay i'm a christian so i'm going to do i'm going to help my neighbor it's like we're going to find ourselves helping our neighbor we're going to find ourselves turning the world upside down we're going to find ourselves raising the dead we're going to find ourselves doing all this because we are being reunited with god so so be encouraged where wherever you are it's where God wants you. Let him reveal himself. So we will be getting back together again the same time next week. Feel free to drop me a line at diane at org. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.